Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is August 31st, 2020, and here with me, as always, to comment on the week ahead is my friend, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hi, Jen. Am I going to provide cogent commentary? You are going to provide cogent commentary, and you're also going to let us know about a comment that we received from a lovely listener this week. Indeed, we did on our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. There was a comment on episode 38, Taurus Last Quarter Moon, but wait, there's some more. And this was from (laughs) listener Celeste, who gives us some more. She gave us this nugget of fascinating information. She said, Hi, April and Jen. You mentioned the two and a half year moon cycle on this week's podcast. It's called Moon Phase Families, and it's based on the work of Diedrich Pesson. They can be found in Solar Fire, which is an astrology software program under Lunar Phases. See link to the book below. And if you want to see that link, go ahead and go into the comments section for episode 38. And Celeste continues, basically, in addition to the 28-day moon cycle, which we all know about, there is a 2.5-year moon cycle. The new moon, first quarter, full moon, and last quarter moon will be approximately at the same degree every nine months. For instance, this new moon at 26 Leo will have a first quarter moon at approximately the same degree in nine months. And indeed, it's on May 19th, 2021. We looked that up. This is a story with a new chapter every nine months. A new story starts, something needs adjustment, all is illuminated, and rewards or consequences are reaped. Check them out in your own chart. When you have a close conjunction of a personal planet to the moon, you will be amazed. Wow. Yeah. I found that really interesting. And the first quarter, again, of this new moon in Leo that we just had is on May 19th, 2021, and it's at 29 degrees of Leo. So it's very close to that last one we had. And then the full moon in this family of lunar phases will be at almost 28 degrees of Leo on February 16th, 2022. And the third quarter will be at 24 degrees of Leo on November 16th, 2022. Okay. So it is kind of, as you can see, a sort of extended sequence. It's the two and a half year cycle. And I found that fascinating. I'm really glad you mentioned it, Jen. Oh, good. Because I had never heard about it. And thank you very much to listener Celeste for popping in, giving us more background on that, because I'd never heard of this. It's fascinating. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, it really is. And of course, I do a similar kind of thing with eclipses which also have a predictable cycle. It does kind of remind me of that. Yeah, a little bit, but this was really interesting. So thank you, listener Celeste. We're very pleased to have that nugget of information. That's really nice. Well, we have another piece of exciting news coming up for all of our listeners next week. We are announcing the first annual Big Sky Astrology Podathon. Yay! Yes, I just proactively <laughs> made up that name, Jen. I hope you don't mind. I love the name. It's five days of daily mini episodes. They'll be about 10 to 15 minutes each, beginning on Labor Day Monday, September 7th. And of course, this is sort of an homage to the Jerry Lewis Labor Day telethon he used to do. Because for me, Labor Day is about telethons. So we decided to hold our first one. On this Labor Day weekend, the Podathon is basically going to be a little bit of a fun drive to help us cover our podcasting expenses for the coming year. Exactly. Yes. Or for as long as we can get with what you generously provide. 
But there's going to be wonderful content as well. We don't normally get an opportunity when we do a weekly podcast to, for instance, get into depth about the moon and about where it is each day, what sign it's in. It's void, of course, periods. It's daily aspects. So we will cover each of those Monday through Friday, but also whatever the big aspects of the day might be. Yes. We're excited about it. We think it's going to be fun. Everyone who pledges $25 or more to the Potathon will be entered for a drawing to win a free 90-minute reading with me. <gasps> That's such a good deal. I think it's going to be exciting. <laughs> that would be a heck of a deal. God bless you, April Eliakin. <laughs> Aw. Well, and if you are already a pod pal, meaning that you're contributing each month, we will also enter you in that drawing automatically, so you don't have to worry about that. Absolutely. We will have three runners-up who will receive a voucher to purchase any of the reports on my site. I have these beautiful Stephen Forrest natal and transit reports. I have a solar return report by Mary Shea. I've got my own moon shadow eclipse report, which is a $35 value. And then for everybody else, there will be, we're thinking, a special episode for contributors only that will come out at each equinox and solstice. And of course, we have an equinox coming up on September 22nd. Indeed, we do. Yeah. So we can share that with you fairly soon. That'll be exciting. That'll be fun. It's exciting and fun. It means we get to sit and chat with each other every day. Now, the thing we have to warn (laughs) you about is that the turnaround on these are going to be quick. Our friend Jen here spends so much time each week to make our episodes I think sound really good. I mean, certainly better than when we're recording them on the fly. I want it to be a pleasant listening experience for our listeners. I think it is, thanks to your Mercury (laughs) in Virgo, my friend. Thank you. And we have to warn you that these episodes, she will do her best to make them sound lovely, but she's not going to have time to Virgo them to death. I will not. When we're doing the daily episodes. So we hope that we will keep them concise and compelling and easy on the ears. And at the very least, it will be fun to get together with you virtually, all of you, for five days in a row. We think it's going to be a trip. Yeah. Get to spend Labor Day week with April and Jen. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right. Well, that's something for all of us to look forward to. All right. But this week... What do we have going on this week, April? Tell us. Well, we begin with... Moonwatch! Moonwatch! <laughs> I'm sorry, I know you're having a bit of a throw thing. Yes. Anyway, play it! <laughs> we can't not oh, sing, though. I know. Well, we would be disappointing at least one listener who is very much into singing along with us mm. when we do this. Moonwatch! Well, we have a full moon this week. Indeed we do, yeah. 10 degrees and 12 minutes of Pisces on September 1st. Yeah, and I think of Pisces always as very intuitive. Oh, I would agree with you on that. The full moon, of course, the phase of the moon. This is when all is revealed, all is illuminated. And the Sabian symbol for the moon at this degree is also men seeking illumination. A nice coincidence with this full moon. The Sabian symbol for the sun here is a boy molded in his mother's aspirations for him. And looking at those two together and thinking of the energy of Virgo with Pisces made me think this is a full moon that's about the ways in which the expectations of others really have formed us and have informed our own opinions of ourselves and can keep us from seeing the full picture of what we're putting out there, relationships that we're in, and all of the rest of it. Hmm. What do you think of that? I like it. Yeah. I like it quite a lot. It also actually reminds me of the new moon on the 18th, which, of course, this full moon is connected to the Leo new moon. 
And we had the Sabian symbol, I remember, that was daybreak, Mm -hmm. which also reminds me of illumination. And that second one, a boy molded in his mother's aspirations for him, makes me think of possibility and potentiality, Mm -hmm. which reminds me of that daybreak Sabian symbol from the 18th. Nice connection, Jan. Thanks. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and to go back to our friend Celeste's comment, who was talking about these lunar phase families. So I went ahead and looked at the lunar phase family that this full moon begins with. It began back on March 6, 2019, when we had a new moon at 15 degrees and 47 minutes of Pisces. Okay. So the first quarter of this phase family was on December 3rd, 2019 at almost 12 degrees Pisces. And the third and final quarter will be on June 2nd, 2021 at almost 12 Pisces. So we're kind of halfway through one of these phase family sequences. Yeah, really interesting. So my friend, do you have any planets or points that would be affected by this particular phase that we're talking about? I do, my friend. Do you want to share? I do, indeed. Well, my moon is at 11 degrees of Gemini, which is squared by these points. Okay. And my midheaven is at 15 degrees of Virgo. Yeah. So it's pretty darn close to this family. Quite interesting. I'm trying to think what was going on in uh, March of 2019. Gosh, didn't it seem like a lifetime ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago? It really does. Yeah. It's kind of hard to relate. Yeah. In the full moon chart itself... We have a couple of interesting things to note. One is that on the day of the full moon, we have the moon sextile Uranus. It's actually on September 2nd, most places. It's September 1st here. Okay. And on the same day as the full moon, the sun will make a trine to Uranus at 7.08 a.m. Which is in Taurus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I like about this is, as we'll see as we talk about what else is going on this week, it's an important full moon week for relationships. And we always note at full moon time that relationships come under extra scrutiny and examination. And this one, this particular full moon week, begins with honoring your individuality and your independence. And that's the Uranian influence. Those are nice aspects, though. It's a sextile from the moon to Uranus. It's a trine from the sun to Uranus. And that means that the full moon points in Virgo and Pisces are just connecting nicely with Uranus. To the extent that you are claiming your own space, your own individuality, pursuing your own goals and objectives, it's only going to improve your relationships, especially at this full moon. That makes sense, especially because to have a healthy relationship with somebody, you first have to know who you are. You first have to have that individuality and Mm -hmm. know how you interact in the world. And that's how you learn how to interact with people. So that makes a lot of sense to me. I think so, too. And I'm probably, of course, as we all are, biased by my own experiences and I was always really happy that I didn't marry really young. I had a lot of time to live on my own, travel on my own, have my own interests and my own friends so that I really kind of knew who I was. And and so therefore, I knew what I was looking for in a mate when it came to that. Mm -hmm. When I hear about relationship problems that my clients are having and I'm seeing some Uranian transit or other contact happening in their charts, I know that this is part of the problem. They don't have enough breathing room, enough space. And they never get to do things on their own or have their own interest or own friends. I see. As we said, it's an important full moon week overall for relationships. There's a lot happening with Venus. There is a certain amount happening in Venus-ruled signs. So we'll begin by looking at Venus in opposition to Saturn, which happens on the same day as the full moon. 
at 5.17 a.m. Pacific time. And the good news here is that she won't be retrograding and going over Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter in reverse <laughs> like Mars is doing. Yes, we only have to do this stuff once. And Venus opposed Saturn. I, I really sat and thought about it and thought, you know, it really sounds like such a difficult aspect because Venus is about affection and about pleasure and about fun and about money and things we value and all of that. And anytime we have it contacting Saturn, that sounds like there's the potential for constriction, restriction, feeling a little bit criticized and having the love nature kind of stifled. So it sounds kind of nasty on the face of it. I think this is where our Sabian symbols can come in really handy. I love the the Sabian symbol for Venus, which is contentment and happiness in luxury. People reading on Davenports. Hmm. I love Davenport because it's an old-fashioned word for sofa. Yeah. And that just sounds cozy. My Venus and cats are cozy. Aw, that sounds... <laughs> is there a cat there on that? That sounds nice. <laughs> a puppy, a puppy. Yes, a puppy. But I, I think that it is important always to be working through problems in relationships. And we're reminded of that with Venus contacting Saturn. But when it, you get to a point where a relationship is all hard work or primarily hard work, that needs to change. And Uranus, which we talked about a little bit before, is having to do with our individuality, also has to do with change. And to the extent that you're able to take a look at your relationship patterns and figure out where you can fine-tune them, this Venus opposition to Saturn doesn't have to be bad. It means looking at the structures that you've built for your relationships and figuring out how to adjust those a little bit. I like your take on that. Yeah, that sounds positive, right? Yeah, I like it. I'm the queen of making difficult aspects sound positive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think an opposition's nearly as bad as some other aspects, though. I mean, I don't like Venus conjunct Saturn. I don't love it square Saturn. What's the difference to you? Well, the difference to me, especially with Venus, because Venus is relationship oriented, which Uh is an opposition kind of idea. If you have planets in opposition, it's like at the full moon, you have the sun and the moon opposite each other. You have the first house, which is you, opposite the seventh house, which is other people. So it's intrinsically an opposition-oriented planet. I see. But oppositions generally, I think, at least you're getting the opportunity to get some objectivity. If you've got a conjunction between a difficult planet and an inner planet, Sun, Mercury, Venus, so forth, then you're so in the weeds with it that you cannot figure out what's going on. You can't see the forest for the trees. Right. At a square, it just feels like so much friction. But an opposition is a chance to stand back and just see what's happening. Hmm. The farthest away you can get from the other planet. Yeah, 180 degrees apart. I like that. Putting it in terms of relationships like that, that makes sense to my brain. Yeah. I mean, Venus can also be about our financial situations. Sure. And having that opposite Saturn can mean here's an opportunity to figure out a lot of people are in a really difficult position financially right now. And those of us who are doing okay need to always be keeping that presently in mind because a lot of people are being affected by the economic downturn. Right. So Venus opposed Saturn would talk about ways in which people are trying to figure out how to do more with less. And sometimes there's some belt tightening that can be done, but sometimes just a matter of figuring out how to get the resources that might be available out there for you that you really need to get. That is also a little bit of a tone of this week. So your idea of it's better to have Venus opposite Saturn 
Is it true then of other planets as well? For example, because I see the next thing that we're going to talk about on the show sheet is Venus is going to square Mars on September 4th Mm -hmm. at 27 degrees, 55 minutes of Cancer. Do you think that Venus in square aspect to Mars is a little bit more difficult than Venus in an opposition? I think it is. Okay. So picture it this way. Let's say you have you know, not to be heteronormative here, but let's say you have a man and a woman who are in a relationship because that's the acme of Venus-Mars, right? The gay woman will not protest here. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Well, we could say that it's a gay couple because really across the board, the the idea is kind of the same. Venus says Mars is two lovers having friction. Have you ever had like a couple of friends who are constantly bringing down a party or gathering something because They decide drama is what they need. Hmm. It is a little more common when you're young and getting your sea legs with relationships. And this is not all people, but it just seems that in every group of friends or at every party or every gathering, there's some couple that just loves to really get into it and have their dramatic row. That's a Venus square to Mars. And it's kind of tedious. We were staying up in San Francisco a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. some beautiful Airbnb. In the middle of the night, it was like 2 o'clock, and you hear this couple just going at it outside of the group. Oh, God. You know, Anthony! And she it went on it, and you'd think, okay, they're finally done. And then they would start up again. Uh-huh. And it's like cats hollering at each other. Uh-huh. So it's that kind of dynamic. Venus-Mars, it's really exciting, and they're really in this compelling interaction with each other. But it's not easy for them to be in, and it's not easy for anybody else to be around either. Got it. So that's the difference between a square, especially with something like Mars, which is very volatile, as opposed to Saturn, which at the very least is going to give you the cold shoulder. Okay. So that is how I'm reading those differently. Very, you know, with the Venus square Mars, lots of passion, but a lot of conflict. And other people, too, can be weighing in on the relationship. And that sort of goes to the Sabian symbols, which is about a girl bringing her college boyfriend home to meet her tribe. And also a large disappointed audience is the one for Aries. So it just sounds like a lot of people being disappointed by your relationship choices. Does that answer your question, though? It does. And it's probably important to say we all have a Venus and a Mars in our chart somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it's important to remember that, you know, we use she sometimes or he to refer to the planets, that it does come from a heteronormative tradition. But that, of course, we all have those parts inside of us. Exactly. That they all blend and they all make aspects to other planets and they're all in different signs and different houses. And so the way that they express themselves in the world is through the signs and houses. And we all have those parts inside of us. Yeah, it's the same with the sun and the moon. And we will speak of them as feminine and masculine, not in terms of really, strictly speaking, gender. But in terms of yin and yang and the expressive versus the intuitive. Yeah. It's the same with Venus, Mars. I mean, it just speaks of more dynamic and usually sexualized relationships. Not always. But if you're talking about romantic relationships in that way, you're talking about Venus and Mars at least at the beginning. Yeah. So that's why seeing them in friction like this just says, yeah, okay, here's a heck of a week. If your relationship is already under the strain of quarantine and financial instability and all the things we have going on, this is a little bit of a testy week, I think, for relationships. Okay. There you go. So just a shout out to recognize and acknowledge that we know that there are people that are non-binary in the world that we love and respect, as well as people that identify as gender fluid. And we see you, we love you. That's that. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, I said that we did have a couple of other things that were happening that influenced Venus and also the Venus ruled sign, in this case, Libra. On September 4th, Mercury will sextile Venus at 1.33 p.m. Pacific. And on the 5th, Mercury will enter Libra, ruled by Venus, and that's at 12.47 p.m. Pacific time. So I look at these two together. I kind of put them in tandem on our little show sheet here, Jim, because I think they have a similar vibe about them. Okay. They're both about the opportunity to reframe and talk through any difficulties we might have with other people. It's relationship, all of it. Exactly. Because it's Venus and because it's Libra. Right. Mercury in the sign of Libra, you know, again, that begins on September 5th, is generally a placement that is a negotiator. It will see both sides of the story. It wants to help both people in an interaction see the other side. It will balance out whatever you're coming at them with. If you come at them with something sort of hostile, they will be very calm and measured. Peacemaker. Uh Uh-huh. And if you are beating around the bush and not getting to the point with them, they might actually get a little impatient and get a little growly with you. It is about examining the idea of balance, which is Libra, the give and take. We talk about Mercury and we say, what's well, about communication? We often frame Mercury in terms of saying something to somebody. And it's so easy to forget that it's just as much about listening. And that is what Libra reminds us when Mercury is there. That's lovely. It's that it's not just being clear about what you say, but making sure that you're hearing what someone else is saying as well. I like that. Yes. Now, Mercury will make a couple of aspects to Saturn and Pluto. It will trine Pluto on September 1st, and it will trine Saturn on September 3rd. Now, those are trines. They're nice aspects. They're easy aspects. Mercury in Virgo has an easier time talking to Saturn and Pluto in the sign of Capricorn, because they're both Earth signs. But it's still Mercury interacting with two kind of difficult planets, Saturn and Pluto. And I remember you have said to me that trines can sometimes be hard if they're interacting with difficult planets like this. Mm -hmm. So say more about that. Well, I think it's the potential for that here, because what is being communicated is, in the case of Pluto, things that are really deep and may be difficult to discuss. Maybe they're things that you've put off confronting in communications with another person. And the trine takes away any impediments and says, okay, now is the time to have this conversation. And that's on September 1st. Mm -hmm. And the trine to Saturn is about forming new habits of communication. Saturn to me is about how we mold and create and structure and build. Yeah, for communication. So that doesn't have to be bad. But before you can do that, you have to have confronted some things possibly. So that is our friend Mercury, who we all always have to give a little shout out to. Yeah, and Mercury's zipping along, and until he enters Libra, most of the week there won't be any planets and air signs. Right. So Mercury will be in Libra until it enters Scorpio on the 28th of September. So as you say, giving us a little bit of air, we did a whole episode on that, didn't we, where we talked about I think the elements, was it that episode? It might have been that episode. Mm-hmm. And we replayed that one for you recently, repackaged it as a mini class. 
I also remember talking about a breathing exercise that you can do on one episode, and I'll try to link that one. And that might have been a week that we were having very little air in the chart. Yeah, we keep so, running across these. Well, because we yeah. have these big outer planets in Earth, so, you know, three of them in Earth. Right. Four of them in Earth, actually, because Uranus as well. Yes. And then just Neptune and Pisces. So once Jupiter and Saturn go into Aquarius, as they will at the end of the year... Speaking of balance, we'll have a little more balance with that. (laughs) Yes, a little bit more, for sure. All All right. right. And then finally, on September 6th, Venus, again a planet of a relationship, is changing signs and it's going into Leo. Leo! Leo! It's just fun to sing it. (laughs) It is. And I recently had to text April and tell her that every time I hear Leo on a podcast now, I think of her singing. (laughs) Yeah, she'll be thinking Leo. Yes. So funny. So Venus will be in Leo through October 3rd. And Venus talks about our style of relating and also the things that we really enjoy. Yeah. And what we value. In Leo, Venus is... Very passionate and very romantic. And again, it picks up a little bit of the flavor of that Venus square Mars, perhaps, that we were talking about, Mm. even though it was happening in a different sign. Mm -hmm. Even a little bit theatrical in its approach to love, I think. Venus in Leo is really wants the traditional expressions of romance. If you're dating them or involved in a relationship with them, you better get the flowers. You better have the ring. You better, you know, very getting dressed up and going out. It's important, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's not my style, but I'm not going to diminish it because for some people that's just important. For us, just in terms of it being a transit, just, you know, Venus going through the sign. Well, this is a month when we might also want to make a little time to have a little special romantic time with our partners. You know, when you're living together 24-7 in a house in quarantine, you can get a little bit used to each other. You kind of navigate around each other like furniture. And when Venus was in Cancer, that was fine. You know, you could get together and eat food and watch TV on the sofa and everybody was happy. But Venus going into Leo says, yeah, maybe making a little more of an effort to do something kind of special. Maybe once a week while Venus is in Leo. Oh, that's nice. Have a date night once a week. Yeah. Financially, good time to watch your spending because Leo's very generous. It has expensive taste, and we can easily overdo it, says the woman who just spent a sizable chunk at the vet this morning on a cat. So, (laughs) But I love him. What more could I do? He crawled into your heart. He did. Your Leo-filled heart. He did. And now he's crawling into my bank account. He's meowing. (laughs) Give me meow. (laughs) Basically, while Venus is Leo, indulge a little, you know, the enjoyment of entertainment and games and your artistic hobbies. Be creative. Yeah. Crack out your Bob Ross tapes, you know, and paint along. You have some Bob Ross tapes, April. I don't. And here, of course, I'll link the Bob Ross episode. Yes, you must. The original Bob Ross episode. No, but Bob is on our on one of our local TV channels every morning. Mm-hmm. They replay his old oh, episodes. Nice. And of course, I have a certain Bob Ross Chia pet that a friend gave me, a certain friend, <laughs> Jennifer. April Lynn. And uh, so I need to soak him and do all the Chia seeds. Well, we'll definitely, when I get that going, we'll post that on BigSkyAstropod.com. I'm sure our listeners would love to see that. Well, who wouldn't? Good point. I'm excited, and I'm hoping it'll grow really fast, because this is really going to be something. Indeed. Well, my friend. We've done it. Have we? Yeah, I think so. That's everything on the show sheet. Then that's how it is. That's how it is. 
And we will thank you all for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And we hope you'll help us spread the word by telling a friend. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. And we gratefully accept donations to support the podcast. So head on over to BigSkyAstropod.com. And if you enjoy the show, please consider kicking in what you can. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah. And I meant to mention again that we have a couple of essays posted over there, too. We do. Including one by Jen. I wrote an essay, and you wrote an essay for the Leo New Moon. And, and we have the weekly planetary highlights up there as well. Yes, I was just going to say that. So go have a look. Mm-hmm. Well, join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then... Keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you.